What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 288th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Will. I learned a very valuable lesson last night, SBJ, and the other person who's here who I won't name because that's not my job. What? What's the lesson? That even if you're 44 years old, you can't go to a Halloween party and say, I'm in my 40s, I don't need to wear a costume because guess what? You're the only person there without a costume. Were people like ridiculing you? No, but they you were like getting teased. They were like, "You're just not very cool, are you?" And I said, "You're right. I'm not very cool." <laughs> what kind of Halloween party was it? It was at my barber shop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on from that. Uh, Al, do they celebrate Halloween in Europe? I know I asked this before, uh, I think, but uh, yeah, I think we've already had this conversation, and the answer is uh, yes. <laughs> Did you trick-or-treat? I did not. I'm not a massive fan of the whole thing, really. But I wait, find the whole... as, a, as a child, you never trick-or-treated? No, I didn't. I think I find the idea of going to strangers' houses and asking for food a weird idea, especially when we spend the rest of the year telling kids to stay away from strangers and not eat their sweets. I think we've now gained a key insight into why Al is the way that Al is. <laughs> I mean, all, all excellent points. I don't think anyone's going to argue. I believe trick-or-treating is going on right now in my neighborhood. I think it started at 1. Oh, is this the weird Sunday? That, yeah. The, the there's fake a limited Halloween amount of time. Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Halloween. Weird Sunday there. My my friend who lives maybe two minutes driving away from me, his neighborhood designated their own Halloween time, which was on Friday night. So they did not go with the city of Milwaukee's suggestion of 1 p.m. on Sunday to... 4 p.m. on Sunday. They had their own Halloween at 8 p.m. to whenever. And then I guess there was like some block party afterwards for the adults. This is madness. This is chaos. This is the the world falling into disorder because y- you folks can't just follow one rule. Halloween is October 31st. I mean, I guess this is the, my friend's neighborhood is also like the same neighborhood who they like put up barricades on on their their ends of the streets so cars can't come through so they can freely walk between each other's houses without worrying about traffic not that it's a heavily trafficked neighborhood but they just feel they have the right to put up barricades because it's their neighborhood that's really strange and i was at my friend tim's halloween party last night that's why i started the stream for gala darkness a little bit late but i heard one of the because he invited of course he invited his neighborhood right and one of the ladies was like sweet talking this guy to move into her neighborhood. And uh, the only words I really heard her say was, I only want good people in this neighborhood. So that's why I'm talking to you. Wow. I actually considered buying a house in that neighborhood. Dodged a bullet right there. Wow. But here's the question. What were you dressed as for oh, the Halloween party? I dressed as un- un- unemployment. No, I just wanted my regular clothes. <laughs> So you you did a Will Anderson. Yeah. I I was not the only I was not the only person there that was not dressed. So I did not stand out like you possibly did. So okay, so the theme of the Halloween party I was at was Carn Evil and it was supposed to be like circus themed. So I just told everybody I was the clown on his day off. 
Mm, I, I mean, like, I get it. <laughs> so I was, I was going to ask, I was going to, like, draw out this Halloween conversation a little bit longer, but I was going to ask what people were dressed up as, but if there was a theme, then I guess question answered. Oh, no, not everybody dressed according to the theme, um, but there were, like, some people who, like, had really, really good costumes, and then some people, like, this one dude who just showed up in a suit, and then he was like, I dressed up for Halloween. But, you know, drum sigh. <laughs> Al, Al, what's the most popular costume in, in, in Europe? Uh, I'll, I'll, let me just get out my list of statistics for Our, all of Europe. <laughs> I say Europe uh, because that's the joke. I know you're in Scotland. But, like, are, are kids dressing up as superheroes or are they dressing up like Batman, Superman? I mean, I, I, I really don't know. Like, I don't really... Well, if you didn't live in such a rural aerial... Aerial. What, what, is, what is your child? What, what costume did you get yeah, for your child? Yeah, would you dress child? up your kid, your, your father. He's two and a half. He doesn't care. What? But, 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 okay, whether he cares or not, what is he going to be? Yeah, what is he going to be Nothing. next year? Nothing. No, no, but... But Halloween we dress him up for Comic Con and that's it. Would you dress him up but, for Comic Con? What's what, is a superhero? Last, last year we dressed him up as Yoda. Okay, that's pretty cool. It was. He didn't like the hat years though. Mm. So so impressed. so so on Tuesday night of this coming week, October thirty first, <laughs> yeah. you are not going to take your child at least down the street for trick or treating and back. No, I will be hiding in my bedroom with the lights off, watching TV. Oh my. Wow. Yeah, I'm one of those people. Two and a half is a good age to throw your kid into a stroller and get yourself some candy. But I mean, you yeah, already exactly. you already said I that you don't. I've never done this. <laughs> I I find it incredibly weird. I hate going to other people's houses that I don't know, no matter what the occasion is. Never mind to say hello. Here I am with a two year old. Can I get some food, please? But, but wait, and, wait, wait. No, no one can out curmudgeon Will Anderson. All right, I I have. <laughs> turn this into an art but at the very least i know who my neighbors are they're not strangers well, to me i mean i've met them so kind of oh dear does it not just make it weird or going to someone you know because then it's just like no, hi person not when i know because it's halloween and they expect you to be and they're like yeah they oh, do that, they do expect that, it. that wee little mckinley boy let's let's <laughs> i can't wait to see him on tuesday night to see what fabulous costume Alistair and his wife have arranged for him. And, and then they're going to be sitting with bowls and bowls of Kit Kats at their door, and the Kit door Kats. will remain unknocked. <laughs> you go to Kit Kats, that's, that's the... Local okay. chippy and get your beehive chocolate. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. A crunchy. A crunchy, yes. Go to the chippy, get the Do crunchy. You guys not have a crunchy. No, we don't have the crunchy. There is no crunchy here. I Some... think I think um, uh, honeycombs are uh, like illegal in we... the states. Oh, we have a cereal like honey what? honeycomb crisp. That's a thing, right? Is that what it's called, Will? Yeah, but it's not made out of actual honeycombs, and it's called honeycombs. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I just threw on the crisp well, there. Apparently, the crunchy is a Cadbury's bar. So I did not know that. Do you, wait, 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 wait. We're, we're, last year of question before we get to news. So somebody in Slack said our chippy, our like late night thing in the United States is Taco Bell. One, I agree with that. Two, do you guys have Taco Bell? Well, first, I, I disagree because there is no Taco Bell in D.C. So that's ridiculous. But Al, what's your, what's your response? I don't think we have Taco Bell, but that's like 
is is that just tacos? Is it burritos and well, stuff no, like that? No, you've got well? your gordita, you've got your crunch wrap supreme, you've got your I don't know what these things are. <laughs> most you your, most uh, humans don't. You've got the your thing chalupa. With all the cheese with the just the cheese chalupa and the the shell, what is that called? Quesadilla. We got quesadillas, Qu- Al. Quesadillas. So we have a quote unquote Mexican uh takeaway food, but it's mostly just burritos. Uh, there's nothing Mexican or takeaway <laughs> about Taco Bell. I did do air quotes. You just didn't see them. Yeah, yeah. We also have like McDonald's, which I would assume is also like a, a chippy. It's no, it, it's different. <laughs> well, but I'm sorry, Al. We don't have you, then... beehive food here. <laughs> I think you'll find right. I saw a video of some people getting honeycomb from a killer's bee nest, and that was in America. So don't. Don't say you don't have beehive food. Yeah, because it's it's the return of the British Empire, and we're sending all of our honeycombs over to England. (laughs) We don't get to keep them here. Thank you, King George. Let's move on to news. (laughs) First bit of news here is, uh, well, we have a we have a bit. Let me lay out the show. I'm sorry. Uh, We have Pokemon news. We have a Pokemon of the week, which is going to be Gorgeist. I know we've done Gorgeist before. It's it's a pumpkin, and it's it's the week of Halloween. I don't know. What else do you want from us? Pokemon not giving us a lot of options here. Uh, the other thing is uh, we have some emails to do before Pokemon of the Week. So that's pretty much our show. Same format as always. Nothing too special. Although I will say, before we get into things, two things real quick before we jump into news. One is I will be streaming, continuing to stream pretty much daily on Twitch, twitch.tv slash pkmncast. Uh, you can look in the show notes for the schedule, but if you want to hang out, uh, the streams have been going really well. I've been streaming Pokemon Gale of Darkness, which I will say, not a great game. A hundred times better than Coliseum. So that's saying something there. The other thing is next week will be a special episode. It won't be your normal, uh, your normal episode of It's Super Effective because I won't be able to be recording during our normal recording time because I will be at the pokemon the movie i choose you and i believe uh will will be in hawaii during that time that is correct so will and al will have the week off i am going to bring in everyone's favorite irene and i will bring in everyone's favorite second c tier person micah and we will be doing a podcast episode after the streaming of the movie i choose you so hopefully you guys are seeing i choose you hopefully you guys got your tickets I think everyone should go see it. If I mean, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast every week, first off, I'm sorry. But secondly, you might as well see the movie. You might as well just spend the 8 to $200. I don't know how much movie theaters cost in your state. For me, it was like $12. $13 in Hawaii. $13 in Hawaii. So there you go. So you guys should see the movie. And then on Monday morning, you can listen to uh, three of us talk about it. Now, with that being said, let's jump into some news First bit of news here is Niantic plans to fix Pokemon Go legendary EX raids. This is by friend of the show, Allegra Frank, over at Polygon. I'm going to read some of the article here. Pokemon Go's exclusive raid battles known as EX raids are due for a tweak. Weeks after it began testing the invitation-only multiplayer feature, Niantic confirmed on Twitter that it's heard the negative feedback from players. I want to talk to these people. And is now working on the system. Trainers, thank you for your feedback. On EX Raids, quote, the studio's official support account tweeted, we are working to improve the invitation system based on what we heard from you. 
after Niantic launched EX Raid Battles in beta last month, the feature quickly uh, garnished widespread criticism from active players. Unlike typical raids, the exclusive variant requires players to be regular participants in the co-op gym feature. But Niantic seems to dis distribute the required raid pass invitations randomly, so even hardcore battlers may not be guaranteed a chance at the harder, rarer version. Random system meant that some players who won a single standard raid battle will win premium passes while other who regularly battled high level Pokemon at a variety of gyms ended up with nothing. But even having a pass isn't enough to play at an EX raid. They are tied to specific locations. In other words, if you won a raid battle while you were on vacation and you received a pass as a result, you may not be able to get to an EX battle raid spot in time because it's back at where you won the first raid battle. The worst part is that certain legendary Pokemon like Mewtwo are available through these EX raid battles. If you don't have an invite, you don't get to compete the, complete the Pokedex. I have done, I don't know, I, I feel like I've been lucky, I guess. I've done four EX raid battles, four Mewtwo battles. I have caught all four Mewtwos. Will, how many have you done? I have gotten zero invitations. You said, I think, Al, actually, uh, not to, I usually throw my standard... Does Europe have EX raid battles? But I'm pretty sure you said that your the Scotland had like one in the last month. We have now had two in my rural area, as you would like to say. Okay, okay. Uh, I you... have not had an invite to either. Were they at the same place? Do you know that? No, they were two different places. Um, so I live next to a town called Dunfermline, and that was where the new, the latest one was, which was a week last Friday. And there was one a few weeks ago in Kirkcaldy, which is a maybe 15-minute drive, 15, 20-minute drive away. My other question is, were these two spots for the EX-Ray Battles, Al, were they popular spots? Uh, what, what I mean by that is, like, like I can go to a, any number of graveyards or cemeteries, however you want to classify them, and there are gyms there. But I wouldn't say that, like, doing putting like 30 people in a cemetery probably not the smartest game plan by niantic and i'm pretty sure they're avoiding that so that's why i ask like are these like a mall area or maybe like a town square that sees a lot of foot traffic uh, that's my question yeah so the latest one was a train station uh, which obviously will get quite a lot of traffic through it but it does cause problems in that the staff at the train station don't like people playing pokemon go there so when there were 50 people up for the raid uh they weren't exactly happy would they hire all these staff from milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> well they, they didn't get rid of them they were just uh, you know standing there glaring at them sure <laughs> oh and 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 al you'll be surprised here hey pedantry update steve you are the only person in the world who cares about the difference between cemetery and graveyard <laughs> sure Here's the okay. Here's the thing about EX raid battles. You, I don't know if Scotland has had more than two, but I I cannot believe. May, maybe I can believe that Al Al is the Al is Al is a hundred percent accurate in reporting every single EX raid battle that ha, that that occurs all in Scotland. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> but if I if I that's e that's just what's in Fife. There may well be that I'm assuming there are a few more across Scotland. Right, um, yeah, that's that's I, what I I'm assuming too. To those communities, because if I'm if I'm only doing raids in the Watosa area, I have no clue if raid passes are going out in Waukesha or Oconomowoc or Big Ben or Butler or uh, West Dallas or Brookfield or New Berlin. I don't know because 
I'm not in any of those Facebook groups. I'm not in any of, thank God I'm not in any of those Facebook groups or discords or I don't follow anyone on Twitter in those. So I'm not sure exactly how many raid passes are going out. And I think that's the big point that's missing is you're seeing people complain that they're not getting invited and there's not enough invites going out, but we actually don't know how many invites are going out. So I've gotten four EX raid passes. Three of them were at Sprint. Two of them were at the same Sprint. One of them was at the Milwaukee Art Museum. Now, going back to this article by Allegra, again, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like she's pulling some of this information from Reddit or just people complaining. There's been very few situations where I've seen people get an EX raid pass for, for, for me example, I did a ton of raids in Seattle. A bunch of people in Seattle got EX raid passes, of course, and I would assume that they were getting EX raid passes for doing Raikou raids or doing whatever. I mean, I was doing raids downtown, various locations. I think I ended up doing like, like six Raikous, maybe even eight Raikous. I think I walked away with four or five of them. But when I came back, I was getting invitations for the Zapdos I did before I even went out to Seattle. I get, and then I guess I got an EX raid pass for doing the Mewtwo because that was because so I got I got an EX raid pass for the 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 Zapdos I did near our Target which was at a Sprint store. I went there. I did Mewtwo. Like two weeks later, I got invited back to that location for another EX raid. The only raid I've done to that point was that Mewtwo. I did an Entei down at the Milwaukee Art Museum. About a week later, I got. Invited to the Milwaukee Art Museum to do the raid pass. And then I did a Magmar raid with Irene at Mayfair Mall. No mall security kicked me out. It was just the, uh, the two of us. We did the, we did the Magmar raid. And then a week later, we both got invited to do... And the, 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 mall, the one at Mayfair Mall was Sprint, by the way. Uh, and we both got invited a week later to do Mewtwo there. So it's not like these EX raid passes are tied to legendary Pokemon. Because again, I just said I did Magmar. It's not like they're tied. It seems like it's just a raid. Because again, I got a raid pass off of Mewtwo. So anyways, the point I'm getting with all of this, I'm rambling, I know, I, I apologize, is I actually like the invite system. I like knowing that at 12 p.m. on Friday, which I guess is very convenient for me because I don't have a job, but might not be in... Might not be convenient for other people, but they've done like 6 o'clock, they've done like 7 o'clock, they've done Saturdays, they've done Sundays. Anyways, I like knowing at 12 p.m. on Friday, I can go to Mayfair Mall, and I will know that there will be at least 20 to 40 people there, and I can get into a raid, and within 15 minutes, I can leave. There's no jumping on Facebook, there's no trying to run to Discord, there's no seeing Entei on the side of the road, pulling over quickly posting asking if anyone's coming then waiting i feel like raids are such a time waste for how not fun they are like it, yeah it's fun to actually get the pokemon it's fun to get Entei. it's fun to get mewtwo but like the standing there waiting around hoping people will come trying to get one or two more like that it's such a waste of time it's just not like it's frustrating and the people complaining i haven't gotten an invite I can't speak to how many raids they've done or where they're doing raids. I feel like if you're just doing raids in cemeteries, of course you're not going to get an invite because I can't imagine those places are going to get raid passes. There's been so many Entes I've, dr I've driven past in the last three weeks with zero people there. And it's just like, I know that I don't want to waste an hour waiting for people. 
I, I doubt even people would come up, come here if I wait, where with the Mewtwo stuff, every, all four of them, I went there right at the time, plenty of people there, we all did it, we all had a great time, 15, 20 minutes later, boom, we're done, we're out. I guess the problem that people most have with it is that you have to have done, as far as we know, a raid on that gym. If it was just you have to interact on the gym and then you get notification about the raid, I think that would be a different thing because it's much easier to go to a gym and spin it or put Pokemon on it or whatever as opposed to turning up to it at the right time that it has a raid going on it and then do the raid, assuming that it's a raid that either you can do on your own or there are, as you've already mentioned, enough people around to do that raid. Well, I think also, well, I mean, obviously the first problem here is that it's the people as most problems. Just the fact that you have to cooperate with other people destroys any fun that could have been a possibility in this whole event. But also, it's not just that you have to show up at a certain time for raids and even for the EX raids. It's that when you're there, you then have to coordinate. All right, don't don't start the group. Don't get in. We, we got to make sure we have 20 people, blah, 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 blah. And then there's like, you know, some set of people who won't wait or say that said that they'd wait for you, but because they're all strangers, they're like, well, I'm not really going to wait for this person. And then it's, ugh, people are the worst. My last raid group, the one at Mayfair, they were against putting 20 people in a group because they were like, no, we can't have 20. <laughs> oh my gosh. First it was, we can't have 20 people in a group because it gets too laggy and we don't want to ruin our chance to like leg out the system, which I've never had happen. Uh, the, the only time I've had happen was inside Pokemon Go Fest, <laughs> which was a whole other conversation. The second thing that th that blew my mind is not only did they not want twenty people in a group, which is fine, you can you can easily do with me too with eight or nine people, maybe even less. And I think we had sixteen in our Mystic group. The second thing is they told Valor and Instinct not to go. They were like, "Wait till Mystic is done because we don't want to overload the server." And I was just like, "What is wrong with you people?" <laughs> Doesn't matter. None of this matters. Why are we here? Like one group in a local area is going to take down the entire of worldwide Pokemon Go. Right. Like there are literally thousands others doing it at the same time. <laughs> we talk about Pokemon Go every week. I love playing Pokemon Go. I play it every day. But as much as I love Pokemon Go, I feel like the the people turning up at these raids are just kind of the worst players to interact with <laughs> there are some really great ones don't get me wrong like i've met some really fantastic people at raids but like the the ones left over with their really the ones that lay out these rules the ones that think they're in charge when they get to a raid the, the, the ones named spj yeah i looked at a guy who's he was in a business suit older guy it sounded like it was his first mewtwo raid and i was like i, was, I looked at him i was like why is this so complicated why is this why do these take so long? Just let's just go in, get it, and leave. Like I don't have all day. And he laughed, and he was like, "Yeah, these are they shouldn't take as long as they do." But it was, I guess, it was nice because Mystic went first. Air quote, Mystic went first. Uh, so as soon as that was done, I left. So the problem there, and I'll just make this very clear for you: it's it's a self selection process built into the game, right? People like me who are super chill and just wonderful people to be around and would just make for like the best experience because i'd be like oh, whatever let's chill let's have fun pokemon good times 
we don't get EX raid passes because we're not sufficiently obsessive to hunt down and complain that, oh boy, an Entei is popping, you know, seven minutes away from me, but I got to record a podcast. And now I'm going to miss out on that Entei. My life is ruined, right? You're the kind of people who are rising to the top, like <laughs> the quote unquote cream. You people are ruining. These people, these, these people. people are ruining Pokemon Go. Well, okay. But like, well, I feel like you have it easier than, than rural Al over here and me because you could walk around your your college campus because you work at Georgetown. Okay, first off, my office is a mile away from the university, <laughs> so don't give me that. Don't give me. They've already booted me off that campus. Okay. And you, you can you can walk around your uh, your invite only high class fancy neighborhood that you live in. You're no, na- no, we don't block the streets ever. You, your national park. You can you see seventeen gyms from your house. That I cannot deny. You could you could easily go. Okay, there's a magic carp. I'll just I don't need anyone to do the magic carp. I will do the magic carp. I will use my free raid pass because you get one every day. I will do the magic carp. Not only will that give me a bunch of XP because it gives you magic carp gives you the same amount of XP as catching I think eight Pokemon or something. I think it gives you fifteen hundred. I I don't remember. Anyways, you'll get a bunch of XP. You'll get a good IV magic carp, which you which you need for if you care about getting a good Gyarados. You get Magikarp candy, which you need 400 to get Gyarados. You don't need to wait for anyone because you can do it yourself. And then you're signing yourself up for a possible EX raid pass. And I'm sure, Will, I am sure that out of the the 18 gyms that you see, you probably see one Magikarp a day. I mean, I don't see any because I'm not looking. Floating, floating above, uh, floating above that gym. Or I'm, sh- I don't know what level you are, Will, but I'm sure you you would be able to do a muck or an Executor, or a Magmar, or an Electabuzz by yourself, because those are level two, as long as you have the right type loadout. And you, being an experienced those Pokemon... Those are level three, aren't they? No, no, those are all two. Level three is... Uh, I don't know what level three is. I thought is. two was the Johto starters. No, no, those are one. Those are one as well. Bayleaf, oh, all right. Quilava, and uh, whatever, those are all one. Three is three is the EV evolutions: Jolteon, Flareon, Espeon, or Jolteon. I wish Espeon, Jolteon, Flareon, Vaporeon are are threes. All right. But being an experienced Pokemon Pokemon player, will you know type loadout? So you know if you're versing a muck, you use Psychic Pokemon. I mean, I just use my Lugia for everything. All right. The the perfect type loadout. The problem with your argument there, just to close it out, and so I can have the last word is. I have a job. I have to exercise. I have a dog to walk. I don't have time to be hunting down these raids, no matter if it's Magikarp or Magmar, two words that start with M. Either way, go on. I'm just saying, you're walking past these gyms anyways when you're walking your dog twice a day. Shiny Duskull got added to Pokemon Go. That's the last bit of Pokemon Go news I have. Oh, actually, one more bit of Pokemon Go news. This news is passed, but unknown were available at Pokemon Go. Hold on. Let me rephrase that. Unknown were available in Pokemon Go at TwitchCon. I think, if I'm not mistaken, TwitchCon was the first non-Pokemon event that featured Unknown spawning more frequently, which I think is pretty cool. Even Twitch tweeted about this. I, I, don't, I don't remember their tweet, but it was a pun about Unknown. And so that, I guess that was cool. I'm sure that was exciting for the... People that went that cared about Pokemon Go, I'm sure there's crossover between people that play Pokemon Go and people that went to TwitchCon. Uh, but going back to Shiny Dusk, Duskull, how do you guys feel about them sneaking another Shiny in a week after 
they released five Gen 3 Pokemon and then Sableye was shiny? Well, we don't know that it's a new thing. It could have been released and it's just less common than Sableye. And so it's taken this long for people to find it. That's true. But people found Sableye within like 10 minutes of Gen 3 getting released. Well, the question is, is was there a software update? No, but they can push stuff on their end. Like there was, there was no software ah. update for Pokemon Go Fest to get Heracross to spawn in Chicago. Yeah, they already have all the sprites for Gen 1, Gen 2, and Gen 3 in the game, including all the shinies. So that just needs a server update. Interesting. I just, I don't understand why they can't give us all the shinies all at once. Blah, blah, blah. Complain, complain. <laughs> I got a chuckle out of Al. <laughs> Congrats to me. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say. I think it, it's still the same. We we'll probably all still have the same opinions of the shinies and go as we did last week. Last week, it's just another shiny I won't get. <laughs> you got to keep checking those. Oh, don't be goes. so negative. When you take your child out for Halloween trick or treat, you can just you know be looking for shiny dust skulls. You be, and you can be doing magic card raids, so you can get an ex invite. <laughs> oh yes, with all those gems that I see. Yeah. Right. Yep. Really tiny news, but did you guys get your shiny Silvalley from GameStop or wherever, whatever weird store you get those from in uh, <laughs> Scotland? Game? Well, it's not out here yet. From the Tesco. It comes out here on third, no, Friday, the 3rd of November. Uh, Will, did you get yours? You no, know, I have not been able to obtain one yet. Um, I was hopefully potentially going to go to GameStop today, but we'll see. There, there's no GameStops in D.C., so it just makes things that much more difficult. No GameStops, no Taco Bells. We don't do you have, have any Burger McDonald's? King. <laughs> Burger King barely has a pulse here, so we, we're, we're missing out on a lot. Uh, I, got a, I got my Shiny Savalia. I haven't redeemed it yet. I will say, though, I don't think the GameStop I went to got codes. Uh, they printed it out on a receipt for me, which they've done in the past. So just a PSA public service announcement. Uh, if they if a GameStop tells you they're out of codes, they can easily print them onto a receipt, just like they have been for the last however long they've been doing these promotions with Pokemon. I don't know how long. Forever, it seems like, since Diamond and Pearl. So I have the, an interesting thing about this. I, for a long time, was confused when I heard about Americans talking about their shops running out of codes, because... Here, we've never had the... I think you get them on little cards, don't you, the codes normally? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have never had that. We've always had it printed out on receipts. So the idea of them running out of codes always seemed a bit confusing to me, like they were putting artificial scarcity on the digital codes. Well, we had somebody in Slack say they went to a GameStop, and the GameStop said they were out of codes, and so they just left. And I said, why didn't you ask for a receipt? And they said that they didn't want to, like... Cause I don't I don't remember what they said. I don't want to like put words in their mouth. But I I my takeaway I thought was they didn't want to like bother them about it. And if they could have done it on receipt, they probably would have. And I said that well that doesn't make sense because they've always been able to do it on receipts. Like they did twelve Pokemon last year, and there were a couple times when some of those Pokemon I think Darkrai was one of them. They didn't have any code, so they put it on a receipt for me. But they've always been able to. Oh, I remember what, what brought it up originally. This was, this was last year, of course, was GameStop requiring, like, some GameStop's saying, oh, we only give the codes out if you pre-order something, something, which is definitely against their agreement with Pokemon. The codes are free for anyone who asks. You can't hide it behind a pre-order. And I would assume they aren't offering it on a receipt because they're just a lazy employee and they just don't want to press the 
four buttons it takes to print it out on a receipt. I watched the GameStop employee do it uh, two days ago when I went to get the code. He literally printed 30 of them out on a receipt within within like five seconds. He, he pressed like four buttons in the system. It printed this huge receipt of codes, and then he used the scissors, and he cut me a code and handed it to me. So it's definitely not a lot of work for them. Let me tell you that. Yeah, but the problem is, and as a former GameStop employee, you should know, nobody ever wants to talk to any of the GameStop employees. If it involves more than just saying, do you have a code card, you're, you're in danger because they're going to be pushing product. Look, if I, wasted my, if I wasted my time to go to a GameStop, I'm not leaving without a code. <laughs> it's probably also important to say that it, it, couldn't, it could be that it's not the employee being lazy, but the manager not letting them know that they can do that. It could be new. Or, or they just, or they just, if they've never, because you have to, t- I don't know if it works the same as it works here, but here they have to put in a specific uh, code into like their their till, which will bring that up as a co- as a a digital transaction. And so it could, if they don't know the code, they can't do it. And if they don't know that's possible, then yeah. I guess I've only gone to like two or three GameStops, and it's always the same people, even like for the last two plus years. <laughs> This is off comicbook.com. Big Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon announcement coming next week. The Pokemon Company announced today they will release a different additional information about Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon on November 2nd. While no real hints were given out about the news, Game Freak's director Shigeru Omariri said that the news is a quote can't miss and would contain major information about the new games. Is that you can't miss it because it will be all over the internet? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I hope you all report on it. Uh, while not officially announced, a download card for the games revealed that Team Rocky is making a comeback, although we still don't know what role they'll play in the story. Uh, I don't know what big news they could say at this point. New farms? Of what? Give me, give me some speculation now. What, do you, what would you even want? What I want is a... a- a second region in the game, but we're not going to get that. So in terms of what I would want that I think could possibly happen, I think the most likely thing that would actually be big news would be new Alola forms. Which which they they said in an interview that there are not new for- Alolan forms coming? Did they say that explicitly, or was it that no, new more, no more new Pokemon? I can't remember. I, I can try to find the quote here, but I thought they, they said no new Alolan forms in a specific interview when somebody asked. I don't remember where it was at, but I feel like it's very easy for a company to say, no, that's not going to happen. And then a week later go, oh, we just surprise. Here it is. It could be could be something to do with the Team Rocket stuff that now that they've realized they've accidentally released a hint, they're going to give us some more. Yeah, and I do find it interesting because literally right before we started recording this podcast today, I was doing the Nugget Bridge in Alola, which is in that park that's in the sort of the Kanto honor town, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the last guy was like, oh yeah, Team Rocket disbanded years ago. I wonder what Giovanni is up to. And I'm like, hmm, maybe that's a clue. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Because they all run off and disappear after you defeat them all. Where was this? So, Melee? do you know the Gyarados Park in Sun and Moon? No. It was Ma- oh. Melee City, wasn't it, I think? Uh, yeah, Miley. Miley City. Yeah, you just rushed that game too much. But it's where you meet uh, the Alolan Professor Oak for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that. 
there's a bridge in there and they call it Nugget Bridge and you have to fight five trainers to get across the bridge and you get a prize at the end and the guy gives you a big nugget and then he's like, would you be interested in joining Team Rocket? And he's like, then he's like, are you sure you don't want to? Are you really sure? Blah, blah, blah. Then he battles you. He's a terrible trainer. He only has level 30 Pokemon. Um, and it's like Ekans and Zubat or something silly. Standard Team Rocket Pokemon? Yes. After you defeat him, he's like, oh, I guess it was kind of silly to ask you if you wanted to join Team Rocket. Team Rocket disbanded years ago. I wonder what old Mr. Giovanni is up to these days. And then they all disappear. Hmm. Because we're still not seeing a lot of Team Skull in the Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon lead up here. Yeah, but we saw Guzma in the last trailer. I mean, dude likes to hang out. That's okay. Dude likes to hang out. It's your boy. Is, it would, is Team Rocket big news? Would that qualify as big news? It depends what it leads to. Yeah, I mean, they've been, yeah, they've been in two of the games, so to have them come back again, yeah, I think so. If it's just, oh, and here's Team Rocket, by the way, have a couple of battles, then that's not big news. But it kind of hints towards something else, whether that's a crossover into Kanto somehow, whether it's a hint towards another game in Kanto, whether that's a remake or a, or something else, or whether it's just crossing over the stories because they really like the hints towards Gen 1 in this in these games. I feel like everyone wants Alolan forms, though. Hey, people want a lot of things. You're Do right. they get them? You're right. No. I can see five minutes after November 2nd, whatever time they, they give out this big news that the internet is going to be upset that it's not Alolan forms, and they don't care what the big news was because it's not this or that. I mean, that's how the internet works, of course. I don't know if like Team Rocket returning to a game that is... Sun and Moon 2.0 with a slightly different story is good enough? Maybe it's a lead into the Switch version. Like, there'll be a little Team Rocket bit at the end that they'll be like, and when you meet us again on Switch, it's going to be Team Rocket because the Switch version is going to be Miracle Grow Leaf Green Switch version. (laughs) Miracle Grow Leaf Green. That sounds good. Okay, so other big news... Maybe more mega forms? More megas. No. We need a mega hydragon. You really think. Is that. Wait, is I, this I'm, from an article or is this you speculating? I'm just speculating what else could be big news. Because if it's can't miss, I, 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 I don't know. I just don't feel like Team Rocket is can't miss. We've got to remember that there's a lot of things in Japanese culture where they hype things up that we would not hype up as much. There's. I can't remember what it is. Do you remember there's the. Pokemon TV show that they do in yeah, Japan. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon They Sunday. always talk about world exclusives and they end up just being something we already knew. I mean, it could, it, 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 it could be that they're just opening up Kanto and it's going to be like, oh, trick or treat, you get to fly to Kanto when you finish the main game. I feel like a newer region is really stretching. Yeah, don't excite me with that. Well, I, I really want that, but... All I want to do, Alice, break your heart. <laughs> <laughs> also... I don't know. They they did say you can catch Mewtwo, but I feel like you're going to be able to catch Mewtwo by going through a wormhole, not actually going to Kanto. I think they made that explicit, that it was going through the ultra wormholes. That doesn't really make sense to go through a wormhole to get Mewtwo if you're going to Kanto, and then, like, what would be in Cerulean Cave? 
It would be Unless weird. What's it's an ultra yeah. wormhole that takes you to Kanto to yes, the, exactly. the Cerulean cave? Yes. But we saw Lily get on a boat to go to Kanto. It wasn't like it wasn't like that it was, was a that, different game, Steve. That was that like was it was a the, different timeline. That hard to go from Hawaii to Japan. I mean, location wise, it's pretty ideal. Ah, <sighs> look, if I can get on a Latios and fly somewhere, I don't need a wormhole no, to don't... get to Kanto. Well, we're not, I don't think, well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but I don't think we're implying here that the wormhole is the way you have to get to Kanto, but that's just, you're flying through these wormholes and, oh, look, I'm now in Kanto. Yeah, it's it's the opportunity that's presented to you because you now have this legendary that can open wormholes, and so you, you take advantage of that. It's either that or a, what, 10-hour boat journey? Oh, no, it'd be days, not 10 <laughs> days. hours. Oh yeah, plane is what I meant to say, obviously. <laughs> it's a very fast boat, Will. The the fastest right. boat around. Alright, go, going back to speculating, though, would you guys want new Mega Forms? I can't imagine that they're completely done with Megas forever. I want Mega Hydragon. Just sprouts more heads and such. I think I'd prefer more Alolan Forms than more Mega Forms, because Megas are so temporary. I know that's the entire point of them, but I much prefer having them in my collection in the form that they are. What is the what's what other things can they do? New Ultra Beasts? That would be big news, right? They showed like one or two more Ultra Beasts. That would be can, don't can't miss. Yes. Yeah, and they, I think they did hint that there were more Ultra Beasts that they haven't told us about. A new mythical Pokemon, maybe. Ah, just... they wouldn't announce that before the game. Those what, are never announced before what about, the game. That's true. Yeah, like Volcanion, they they sat on for two years, even though we knew all about it. Does does Marshadow have a form? It does have a form, doesn't it? Like a fighting form and then a regular form. No, Marshadow does not change form. No. No. Is Marshadow getting it, a form? I, th- I thought I think it, it changes did. color when it's in doing its head move or something. Oh, maybe that's it. It's like yeah. green or something. Yeah. But only when it's doing its Zed move. Zed. See, I can't win here, can I? If I say Zed move, you mock me. If I say Z move, <laughs> you mock me. Just tell me what you want me to say. Greek, or whatever that word is. Greek. <laughs> um, what was <laughs> Marshadda was the only... One of one of the few mythicals without a form. Mew and Celebi don't have forms, and that, that's fine. Uh, I I don't think Jirachi has a form either. Gen four. Jirachi does not have a form. Gen four. I think everything has a form. Shaman, Keldeo, Hoopa. Well, Keldeo's <laughs> Gen five. Hoopa's Gen six. Yeah, I counted up, starting from Shaman. Oh four, no! But five, you just six. Mm. Word. So, yes, beginning with Gen 4, yes. all of the mythicals have had forms. Marshadow does not have a form. I don't think Magirna has a form either. Yeah, nor does um, the Diamond Lady. Deance, yeah, that she has yeah. a mega. Yeah, Deance has a mega. Which I... That's true. Marshadow obviously would then have an Alolan form. Or, now bear with me on this one. <laughs> the current form that we have would be the Alolan form, and we're actually getting the standard form that would be found in Kanto. 
what if they said again this is just speculation no new alolan forms because really we're getting regular forms of alolan poke of gen how do you word this gen 7 poke like two canon how would that work if we're if the, the game is based in alola that's it. They're opening up Kanto, and you go to Kanto, and it's like, here's the Kanto form of that Alolan Pokemon. Yeah, I'm okay with this. Maybe it's something as silly as getting regular forms of the Alolan Pokemon, because I think that some people have been some people have been frustrated that they want a regular Raichu, but in Gen Seven you can't. Right? You can't get regular Raichu no matter what you do. You can breed one. No, doesn't it go into? Because as soon now, if you if you have one of the parents holding a particular stone, uh, maybe the Everstone, but probably not, it will breed as the. Oh wait, you have to start with a Kanto version of it, and it has to hold hold the stone. Yes, something like that. So if I'm only playing in Sun and Moon, I have no way of getting regular Raichu. Wait, do you not have a living Pokedex? No, I. No, one, no, I don't. And I have plenty of regular Raichu in my Pokemon bank. I'm just giving an example of... So it, it's, the, it's, it's the Everstone. If you get an, a Pokemon to hold a, an Everstone, you'll get the non-Alolan version of it. Even if you caught it in Alola? Uh, no, you have to have a non-Alolan form to do that. Okay. So yeah, you're right. You can't do it if you don't have a previous game or trade with someone else. So it could be something like that, because I isn't the VGCs for this year is Megas are allowed, Alolan are allowed, pretty much everything is allowed except mythical Pokemon? Yes. Whereas VGCs last year, it was Gen 7 Pokedex, but no Mega Pokemon. Yeah, that, and that's not unheard of. I think they did that with Black and White as well, didn't they? They only let you use the new Pokemon. But then I think the second year, they, they opened it up, didn't they? Whereas, like, big news, like, this this could be big news, even though in the grand scheme of things, I don't think being able to get Kanto Pokemon instead of Alolan forms is that big of news, but I feel like they would treat that as big news. as like, hey, you guys sick of Alolan muck? Well, here, you can finally get regular muck if you go through so that, this portal. I guess portal. could that be... It could be something like going through a portal, but it could also be here as a specific place that was created on the Alolan Islands to simulate an environment elsewhere to see if the Pokemon would evolve, or not evolve, that's the wrong word in this case, um, would end up like the Pokemon elsewhere in Kanto and Johto, etc. Like just having like a building or like a... Yeah, like a greenhouse type thing, but yeah, obviously yeah. for colder environments. Well, we don't, we don't know what the Pikachu Park area is for. With, like, all those little Pikachus running around? It could be something like that, where, like, inside this valley, you can get normal Grimer. I don't know. Valley of the Grimer. (laughs) You can only... The big news, you can only get regular Raichu in the game. All Alolan forms stay as is. Well, it is Pikachu Valley, not uh, Kanto Valley. Uh, 10 p.m. Okay, the other thing that I think I don't why I don't think this is going to be big news is because it seems like this event is Japan only, right? Like there is no, it's not like a Nintendo Direct or a Pokemon Direct. It's not like it's going out to everyone. It's just this news will be released at 10 p.m. 
in Japan time on November 2nd. That's it. So it can't be yeah, that big of news hmm. if they're not doing uh, a, a Europe version, an Australia version, a US version. They did that for Animal Crossing. They d- they've done that for almost all the other Pokemon news. It's like, here's the trailer for everyone, even if like the American trailer was slightly different. They never announced the trailers beforehand. So they have done this before where they've announced something in Japan and then released the trailers elsewhere. And they had like, here's an, an- we're going to be doing something in Japan, and the and the rest of us just get the trailer afterwards. I don't think that's ridiculous. Yeah, and also 10 p.m. in Japan is like 10 a.m. in the states, so it's actually more oriented towards the states and Europe than it is for kids in Japan who might want need to have to you know stay up until 10 o'clock at night to find out that uh, there's a new Rotom form. Woo! Interesting. <laughs> oh, right, there we are then. New Rotom form? You can actually get Rotom decks in-game. Battle with it. That That'd would be, be big cool. news. Yeah, that would be big news. I wouldn't treat it as big news, but I'm sure some people would. Oh, I think it would definitely be big news. <laughs> Speaking of big news, we're going to end with the biggest news of the week. Magic Carp Jump, now available on Amazon Fire. Yay. What? What is that? Amazon Fire? It's uh, the it's... Amazon tablets. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have one of them for our son. So you Get your son a yay. tablet, but you won't take him trick-or-treating? Oh, man, I almost said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like a 20-quid tablet or something like that. 20 squids for a tablet? Yeah. Boy. That's a lot of dinner you're missing out in the ocean out for quite a bit. Yeah. Al's not oh, well, having it anymore. You're so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. I think that's it. I'm. Uh, hopefully, we didn't miss any Pokemon news. I don't think we did. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna do some emails, and we will do our Pokemon of the week. So we will be right back. Defries are a lot of work. Well, yeah, but you're talking about this will happen in a chippy. Slow down, Al. What's a chippy? It's a shop where you can buy chips. So the chippy chips pizza. And we are back from our break. Let's talk about some emails. Oh, actually, before I have we get to emails, a breaking news alert, a red hot breaking news alert. So, while we were on break, I checked Snapchat, and our listener Corey from Iowa sent me a Snapchat. He got two Sil Valley cards from uh, GameStop, scratched off the little scratch off to get the code, and the codes were blank. <laughs> <laughs> On both of them. Amazing. How can that happen? Perfect. (laughs) So good. I'm like, maybe he like scratched too hard. Yeah, that's that's true. He could have scratched too hard. Corey's a real strong dude, but I I still think he's got enough uh, delicacy to to not scratch off the code. It, It really looked just like it was completely blank. Uh, I still have to redeem my Marshadow in my Savali, but I have them both both here on my desk. I'll get it done before they expire. Beep, 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 beep. 
Uh, I will say though, this is this is the after break. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to everyone who has supported on Patreon. Uh, a couple more Patreon people came through this last week. I think we're almost up to our next goal on Patreon, which is exciting. So again, thank you for everyone who supports on Patreon. If you want a job update, still unemployed. Uh, actually, there's there's some confusion I think from Al. I want to want to talk about this real quick. Uh, I posted that I was overqualified for a couple jobs that I applied for. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing in Europe, but it's sure a thing in the United States. It's certainly not something I've ever encountered, but maybe that's just because I'm not as good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm I'm as good. Uh, as of this podcast, I think I've applied at 12 different jobs, and I've had three interviews since. Uh, but two of them I was told I was overqualified for. Uh, but one was specifically, so I applied for an IT position at a Jewish Milwaukee school. I think it's actually called the Jew- the Milwaukee, maybe Jewish Milwaukee school. I can't remember what it's called. doesn't matter. Anyways. Maybe uh, that's why you didn't get the job. Because I'm not Jewish? No, because you can't even remember the name of the place you applied. <laughs> oh. You walked in the door and like, oh, I'm I'm happy to be... Uh, applying for this job at Dairy Queen, and they're like, "No, this isn't Dairy Queen. We're the Jewish Milwaukee School." And like, "Oh yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. Have it your way." Oh wait, that's Burger King. Do you often do that in interviews, though, Will? Do you often go in and say, "Hello, I am now in this place. I'm glad to be <laughs> Hello, in this place." Oh, Dairy Queen. Here I am. You know, I don't know Steve's interview style. I, I tend to be. Like, real cool, usually recruited, so, you know, it's a different story. I'm not out there with my hat in my hand. I don't trust recruiters. Is, is, is that a thing? Like, I feel like they're all just scam artists. No, at a certain level of employment, you need to be going through recruiters and not just applying on your own. Really? I've actually had some bad experience on the other side of recruiters with them and i'm sure there are plenty of good recruiters but some of the ones i've had experience with have changed people's cvs to have downright lies on them and not actually tell the person so i've had someone come up into an interview and we've asked them about a specific thing and they've said oh, no i didn't put that on the cv so that that's fun cv as cover letter right uh, no. no CV would be curriculum vitae, what you what? would call a... What, what, what we call it? a resume. Resume, that's what it is, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So so in the in the States, Al, a CV is typically reserved for academic positions and not just general professional positions. Well, I don't, I don't actually think... I think we use them name for the same thing as what you would use as a resume. I don't think they're any really different... But I don't know. But I also have lots of opinions about the whole concept of overqualified, and I almost think that it's legally actionable if somebody says to you that they did not employ you because you are overqualified, but this is a Pokemon podcast, not yeah. HR Weekly with Will Anderson. Although that sounds fun. <laughs> let me let me explain this to some of the listeners that might not know. So I applied for a position that I was that I knew I could do, right? I, I've applied for a couple jobs where I'm like, eh, I don't think I know how to do this, but I can learn, right? I mean, I, 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 can, I can get it, but this job I applied for, Irene found it and sent it to me. It was at a, some Jewish school, uh, and it was, you know, be in charge of Macs and iPads and pretty much all the Apple products and do a little bit of Windows stuff, which 
I'm 100% competent in, right? I worked at Apple as a technician for five years. And then even afterwards, I've continued fixing computers for other people, doing like contract positions and stuff. So I'm, I'm very qualified when it comes to uh, Apple computers breaking and being able to fix them both hardware and software related. So I applied for this job. And the other thing that I liked about this job is not only was it pretty close to me uh, because I live in Milwaukee, but it was a part-time job. And so I think it was 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And they said it was part-time. And I was like, cool. Actually, that might work out for me because if I still want to do the streaming thing, if I still want to do the Patreon thing, I, everyone has been so supportive. And I think that, you know, with with a couple more people supporting on Patreon and with just a little bit more support, I think I can turn that into a full-time job. But hey, if I can do this part-time in the mornings, get that stuff taken care of, hopefully get like whatever insurance they're offering, I think that would be like the best of both worlds, right? Uh, so I apply and I actually get a call back the next day from the guy. Or I get an email from the guy and he's like, hey, can can we call to talk? Perfect. Here, you can call me anytime because, hey, look, uh, my schedule's open. He, we, we start talking and he pretty much says in so many words that I'm overqualified. But it comes down to, he goes, look, well, you're, you're pretty young and... I'm really looking for like somebody who's on the verge of retirement and I'm looking for somebody to stay with, with this. Wait a minute. Did he literally say that you're pretty young? He did. Yeah. You don't have that in writing though, do you? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Cause that would be legally actionable. You can't uh, discriminate on somebody based on age. Well, this is what he said. He said, you're pretty young. And what I'm actually looking for is somebody that's on the verge of retirement. I want, I want somebody who plans on staying here for five to six years and I don't want to have to retrain anyone. And he's like, at your age and what you were making at your last job, he's like, I know you can find something better pretty quickly. And so I don't want to hire you for you to leave in a couple months because I don't want to retrain somebody. And I mean, he's not wrong. Oh no, he's wrong in very, very many (laughs) ways. And let me talk to my lawyers about this particular situation. Thank you. You, you cannot tell somebody, hey, you're perfectly qualified for this position, but I'm not going to hire you for reasons of age, race, national origin, because you know what? That's what we call illegal against employment law in this country. So, no. Yeah, well, I, I don't really have a say, Will. No, but my lawyers do, and my lawyers <laughs> my will be getting in touch with you. Lawyers do. <laughs> and he, he's, he's not wrong. Like The pay was not nearly as good as my last couple of jobs. But to me, I was like, well, this will pay the bills until something better comes along. But that's like overqualified really means, hey, we're not going to hire you because we know that you'll leave the second you get something better. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. But the thing is, nobody knows that. And that's not the only reason why people take jobs. And that's ridiculous. And I just hate that kind of thinking. It's it's really wrong. You honestly applied for a job because you were looking for work. You are qualified to do the work. You're a good person. You're intelligent. You don't have a record, uh, a legal record. You don't have anything, any strikes against you. There's no reason why they should not be able to give you that job. They they could hire somebody who's close to retirement. And guess what? They have a heart attack and die within two weeks. Guess what the dude's <laughs> got to do? Train the next person. It's part of being a manager, dude get real deal with it oh no i agree with you but it's also it's also it's also like a relationship right it's like going on a first date and being like eh, i don't like this about I you i don't like I haven't this been on about a date you. in years so i don't know what you're talking about in this job interview even like even if i am qualified even if i fit everything and he says all those things that's the same thing as like a date of like the person you're going on a date with are saying things that you're like uh I, do i 
So, like, even though he says all that and he could be wrong, and I agree with you, well, I'm not saying I, I don't disagree with you. I know that I'm more than qualified to do the job and I can do the job very, very well and probably better than most. I don't know if I want to work for somebody who positions or says the things that they say in that kind of situation. Is Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's fine. And you know what? It's on you to make that decision. So the way that he's supposed to present those things is, I have a concern that you would not take this job seriously, that you would be actively looking for something better and that you wouldn't stay for, with me for so long. How do you respond to that? Not, I'm not even going to consider you because you're too young. You you got my fire up, dude, and I'm about ready to get an employment lawyer for myself. So I'm gonna see if I can do a two for one deal. Double double digits. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's just where I am with the job thing. I I, I think being overqualified is really dumb, though. No arguments here. <laughs> Let's jump to some emails. Uh, first bit of, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can send us an email at sbj at pkmencast.com. Or you can go to PokemonPodcast.com and hit that contact button. Both ways, acceptable. Thank you, everyone who sent in emails. I think we're starting to establish a backlog here. Uh, first email is from Adam. It says, hey, SBJ and friends, I love the remixes of classical Pokemon music you do for the intro and outro of your podcast. What is your favorite in-game music? I am partial to Spear Pillar music from Sinnoh, although Lavender Town is also awesome. Adam. Well, that's very easy for me because I have this on my most played songs on my iPhone, um, Isaris City, that for whatever reason, I just love the rhythm and uh, it almost sounds like a glockenspiel that they use for the uh, for the melody and I just, I love it. What place is that? What town is that? Isaris City, it's after you go through Twist Mountain and you pop out and it was this little town where if it's winter, because, you know, in Gen 5, which was the best gen, where they could manage to do both day and night and seasons, but it was like, <laughs> if it was winter, there were some houses that you could get to, but you couldn't get to them in other seasons. But it's right south of the, I think it's called Dragon Spiral Tower. I might be a little off on that one. And they had people dancing around and singing about the dragons, but the just the music for the town is fantastic. Oh, that's it's a really difficult one for me. I think... My favorite would probably have to either be the X and Y Pokemon Center tune. I could, you know, listen to that all day. Or the Gen 1 uh, normal trainer battle music. I feel like I've heard that so many times at this point. It's because it's so good. <laughs> uh, I think mine would be the Team Skull music. Really? Yeah. I think Will was over. It was after Pokemon Go Fest when we were listening to Team Skull music, and I was like, man, this stuff's really good. I, that is actually an accurate memory. Congratulations. I, I, didn't, I didn't twist it on you. No, it is. Is it not good, Will? No, I mean, it, it's, it's literally that I, 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 I'm not a fan, but I do literally remember you saying, boy, I really like this Team Skull music. They got this like Japanese rapper or something. Yeah, to they do. did. Or was he a wrestler? Uh, no, he's a rapper. Yeah, a Japanese rapper. I do remember that. But Team Skull music, eh. Eh, I'm, doesn't I'm, do it for you? I'm 50-50 on. Yeah, no. The Team Skull music reminds me of, like, kind of like the Splatoon music, but better. Well, I've never played Splatoon, so. Well. I don't know. Can't win them all. Next, bit, next email here is from Cameron. SBJ and crew, I'm a regular listener. I've been listening for a few months before Pokemon Go, and Micah is my favorite, but you all are awesome. I am 16 years old and studying... 
in a six-form college. It would be what you guys across the pond call high school. Okay. So this is Asnek of the, of the Woods. Six-form college? What? What is J- that? No, j- let's, let's not... Let's be very careful here. Scotland and England have very different education systems. Okay. So okay. I have just as many problems trying to figure out what they're talking about as you do. Okay. All right. Wait, what do you guys do in Scotland? Wait a minute. That's really extra confusing because Harry Potter lived in England, but he went to school in Scotland. I'm pretty sure that uh, Hogwarts was yeah. in Scotland. I think it, I think it was meant to be in Scotland, but it was never, I mean, it, it didn't run by the English education system or the Scottish education system. It was the, wizarding education system oh, wow I mean, Scot- scotland's always had a different education system um from england and it's weird because i think it roughly maps spot in scotland we reset the numbers halfway through so we go through one to seven and then one to six but in england they just go one to i think 13 but sixth form it's like the second year of 13 or something. It's really weird. They have 13 is actually two years. I can't remember. I'm sure someone will correct me. Wow. Why, why do they have to make that so difficult? I, we I, have I, I kindergarten, first grade, second grade, 12th grade. There you go. <laughs> but so here's my question. This has bothered me quite a bit throughout my life. If you are 16 years old in England or Scotland, I think probably the laws are similar here. Um, do you have the option to just leave school? Oh, well, that's different as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. In, in Scotland, you can leave uh, as soon as you turn 16. Um, in Well, actually, it's a little bit more complicated than that. If you're going to turn 16 before Christmas, you can leave at the end of that year. If you're going to leave, turn 16 after Christmas, you can leave halfway through that year. And it, most people don't leave at 16, though. In England, uh, you, I think, have to stay on until 18 unless you have some other education or employment ready to go. Okay. I mean, because technically in the States, you can legally leave school at 16, but it's like nobody does. Absolutely nobody does that. Yeah. And I think in Scotland, most people wouldn't unless you just, you know that education is not your thing and you just want to go work at mcdonald's for the rest of your life but leaving at 17 is pretty common i mean you can leave to be like a garbage man they pay they get paid pretty well you are correct sir i don't think you need much of it much of an education for that and i prefer to call that uh my position a sanitation manager (laughs) oh my my fault uh let's continue with cameron's email here (laughs) I've been playing Pokemon since the age of three when my uncle let me pick the starter in Pokemon Ruby on his old Game Boy Advance. I started playing competitively in late Generation 6. I've been doing local, less important, lower level leagues. I really want to get into higher level competitive stuff, but I struggle to find time since the British National Championships are right in the middle of exam season every year and I'm often lumbered by A-level revision at that time. I find this really irritating, especially since I was planning on attending last year. I also really enjoy designing new Pokemon. I have several sketches. I feel like I've rambled on, so I'll just skip to my questions. Uh, So one question is uh, a Pokemon that they designed, which doesn't make real great use for audio form. So we're going to move on to the. We're going to skip that one. Uh, And then those next two questions are, do you have any tips on getting into higher competitive battling? 
And the next question is, do you, what do you all think of the Game Boy Advance? I personally think that it's the most underappreciated console ever. I still have one, by the way. Thanks, camera from Cheerstilly, which is a few miles southwest of London. I would say, yeah, if you're doing competitive VGC, the only thing to do is to go to those regional tournaments and honestly spend your first year losing just so you can see what that format is like, what the competitive style is like, how the tournaments operate, so that you can then be prepared for the following year. Um, And then, of course, pay attention to things like uh, Smogon, although they tend not to do a lot with VGC. They do touch on the VGC. But look into the different Facebook communities for competitive and everything like that. I say this a lot in the TCG streams is don't be afraid to look at somebody else's well in the TCG I would say like don't be afraid to look at somebody's deck list and just rebuild it and then use it and see how it works and I think that same concept applies to the video game don't be afraid to look at the six Pokemon somebody has won a tournament with and build that team and then play with that team and understand why that team did win I think that's really important to understand Uh, and going back to the tcg uh you could you could build countless numbers of tcg decks without looking at anyone else's deck list and then play a bunch and and you know possibly win with that but uh, a lot of times lose with that and then go like i don't know what i'm doing wrong why am i not winning but there there's that and you can do that in the video game of course you can you know 800 different pokemon unlimited move sets unlimited combinations but i do think it's important to understand not only what you're playing, but what other people are playing and why the decks or six Pokemon that are being used are winning and why they win in the situations they do win in. And so don't be afraid to use somebody else's list and try to get an understanding. And the argument could be, well, I have an understanding. I, I looked at it and I saw what moves they are and I see what Pokemon they're used, what more is there to it. And I think that once you're in a situation with that those pokemon whether that's tcg or vgc it's completely different uh so again for example before we move on uh i play galissapod uh garboder in the tcg uh, and galissapod is is very well known it's a very good deck and the deck that i always lose against is the big fire basic deck with uh which includes entei and volcanion and turtnator and by looking at any Galissapod deck list and looking at any Turtonator, Entei, sometimes they run Slazazzle deck list, there's no correlation of what you need to do in that situation. And again, that applies to the VGCs where you can look at six Pokemon, you can look at six Pokemon, and you can go, well, if he sends out this, I'll send out that. But that never happens. That never actually plays out, right? It's never the most perfect situation. And so when I, when I on stream, when I played against... Uh, a Turtonator Ante deck, I was like, you know what? I do the same thing against this deck every single time. And you know what? I lose every single time. So maybe I'm going to put my energy and I'm going to put my focus into Tapu Lele, which I rarely ever use in any matchup because Galissapod is, is the better choice. That's why I'm running Galissapod and not for Tapu Lele. Tapu Lele is not my attacker, but Tapu Lele does have a very good attack. Uh, Tapu Lele also not weak against fire. So the last time I played against um, Turtonator, I put my energy into Tapu Lele, and I actually almost won that time. I don't think just looking at people's Pokemon is 
is the best way of going competitive. I think actually getting your hands there and going through the motions does help a ton. That's my advice. Last question was, what do you all think of the Game Boy Advance? I never had one. Never had one? Oh, man, you missed out. I went from Game Boy Color to DS, so no, I never had one. I like the Game Boy Advance. I think the DS is a better system. Well, it should be. It came out afterwards. <laughs> I'm looking at them right next to each other just now because I've, I've got the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance right next to me. So I'm just looking at them to try and solidify my thoughts. I think that what I really like about the Game Boy Advance compared to the Game Boy was the fact that it was wide rather than tall. And so the wideness was much more comfortable to hold. Whereas the Game Boy being much thinner than that, you had the screen above the buttons. Your hands were much closer together. And so that in itself was a much better thing. I think they just had this conversation on Giant Bomb where they talked about the Game Boy Advance. One of the things they said, which I, I agree with, I think the Game Boy Advance really suffered from not having four face buttons. It just has the A and the B. When they could have easily fit the A and the B and the, the Y and the X on it. And the Game Boy Advance copied slash emulated or remade a lot of Super Nintendo games. I mean, the Game Boy Advance was ultimately like a little Super Nintendo. And I just think with, with two more face buttons, it could have done more. And at least for me, I think the DS is just a better system overall, not only because of the buttons, but because it had a lot of games that I spent hours in. Uh, like Animal Crossing Wild World, Mario Kart DS is easily one of the best DS games, Diamond and Pearl, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Black and White, Black and White 2, <laughs> uh, Platinum, stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like I, I, not saying the Game Boy Advance wasn't great. I just think that the DS had a bigger and better library and also hardware-wise was better, because really the first Game Boy Advance was pretty not great. It wasn't until the SP where it got way better with like the backlight and everything, and the no batteries at that point because you could just charge it. Yeah, the, the backlight thing was definitely the advance, the thing that annoyed me most about the advance, because yeah, not long after that, the SP came out and it had a backlight. I, I just, I, I think that the problems that you've been saying about the Game Boy Advance are all the same sort of things as you would have for any kind of half console. And I know the Game Boy Advance was not the same as most of the other half consoles, the DSi, the new 3DS. It had games on it that you couldn't play on the previous iteration. So technically it wasn't one of the kind of half-step consoles. But it was treated like it in a way because it didn't have as long a time as most of the other consoles. And so I feel like that is certainly the biggest issue with getting more games for it. I think my problem with the DS, um, and this is going to sound ridiculous because it was the entire <laughs> point of the DS, was the fact that it had two screens. And that's never been something I've liked about the DS or the 3DS because... I can't be looking at both screens at once. Like, I have two eyes, and they both point in the same direction. I mean, that's what they're meant to do anyway. Maybe sometimes they don't, but they're meant to. And so, why do I have two screens? Why can't I just flip between things? I don't mind Pokemon going back to one screen, especially after playing Leaf Green. Like, I thought that the, the second screen really benefited Pokemon games, 
But going back and and I was worried about pl- replaying Leaf Green or older games because of that. But pulling up the menu in front of your character and just going through like it's nothing. It doesn't matter. It still plays just as well as games with two screens. I mean, because really, when you're touching the bottom screen in Sun and Moon, your character and everything on the top screen doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Uh, Nick writes in from Iowa, Des Moines. Hey, guys, your show is the best. I use it against boredom, and it's super effective. Before puns. Before my question, I just want to comment on the notion of Pokemon coming out with a game that includes all regions, something you guys have discussed before. I think it would be difficult, but pretty amazing. And I know quest-slash-objective-based story with main quests and side quests from region to region would be fun, considering when Gold and Silver came out featuring Kanto and Johto. What a game that featured the then-entire Pokemon world as we knew it, except I guess I didn't include the Orange Islands. Anyways, what are your thoughts on artificially creative non-organic Pokemon? That's kind of a cool, weird aspect to Pokemon. You're all my favorite, but Will is first among equals. Nick. Hey, thank you. I'm going to say it's never going to happen. I agree. I think that the, the Gen 2 games, as has been mentioned before, were meant to be the last games. They didn't think they'd make another one. And, and that's probably why they put the first region in as well. But also, as we get more and more regions, it becomes more and more unlikely because the regions tend to take up a lot of space on the cartridge. And obviously, we you know, the cartridges are getting bigger and bigger. The Switch ones are at least, I think they're double the size of the 3DS ones. But also the, all of the, oh, what's the word? All of the images are bigger. And so they take up more space as well. I, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think they want to. I think that it would be hard to pace a game like that. Unless all of the other games are post-game and you don't actually have to battle anyone or, well, if you battle them, it's not to progress your levelling. Because if you have, what, we've got eight, seven regions now? And if you were to progress through the story in that way, you'd be at most 20, level 20, 25 when you get to your first the end of your first region, that doesn't seem realistic to me. Uh, Regions sell Pokemon games just like new Pokemon sell Pokemon games. I think that's... It's it's pretty clear if you look at, like, Crystal or you look at Emerald or you look at Black and White 2, even though it's a sequel but it still counts. You look at those games, they don't sell as well as the the main game. And I think it's because one, it's not a new region and two... They don't add new Pokemon. They might add new Pokemon in the aspect of like, oh, here's Generation 2 Pokemon in Black and White 2 that you couldn't get in Black and White, but they're not adding new Pokemon. So if you are somebody who collects a lot of Pokemon, maybe has a living Dex, uh, there's really not a reason to buy Black and White 2. Let's just say Black and White 2 was the last game. And you have all the Pokemon. You caught all the Pokemon in black and white because you bought you bought both black and white. So you got all the region-specific Pokemon. There's really no reason to play black and white too unless you only want story. And the story ain't that good. But uh, you've been to that region before. Uh, and you have all the Pokemon that they've introduced. And so what, what are you really playing it for besides story? 
you look at Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, if you have a living Pokedex, at least in this game, you know that there's two new Ultra Beasts, which if you already have a living Pokedex, two new Ultra Beasts, I'm assuming the collector in you needs to get those last two Pokemon. So even though it's only two at this point, that's still enough for that. But it's three just now. Oh yeah, three. I'm sorry, adhesive. Uh, at least those Pokemon are a selling point to you of like, okay, my uh, living dex isn't complete. I got to get these last three Pokemon. I guess, you know, what's another $40 to, you know, make sure that I'm up to date. New Pokemon sell games. This is very true. I think that it'll be interesting to see how well Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon sell because, as you say, no, the only games that sell well, the numbers tell us, are the... the games with new region and new Pokemon. And this is the first game we've had that has had new Pokemon without a new region, which is a, a brand new thing. Um, and, you know, we're not, not talking about new mega forms or new forms of any sort, just new Pokemon, new Pokedex numbers. This is the first game that has done that without a new region. And it'll be interesting to see if that saves it, because they've obviously done multiple things to try and get this the second game's to sell more. So obviously with Gen 5, they tried to do a sequel. Maybe a sequel. Maybe the story would would sell more games, and it didn't really do that. So this time, if you just put in a few more Pokemon, will that sell? It'll be interesting to see. The one counterpoint I would make is that they will get to some point in the franchise, who knows, it may be 20 years from now, where the games just aren't selling anymore. And at that point, if they come out with a multi-region, here's all region, travel the Pokemon world version, that will sell like hotcakes. Yeah, I'm just not sure how well, how you can do that story-wise. I'm sure there's a way, but I don't know. I cu- multiple regions, multiple regions, sure, but all of the regions? But at that point, you're you're like reinventing the wheel. And I, I think we said this, or at least I said this, like maybe four or five episodes ago is, like, what if Game Freak or what what is known as the main series Pokemon games aren't the main series Pokemon games anymore. And what if it's something like Pokemon Go? And I'm sure people are rolling their eyes or there are people who don't play Pokemon Go that are like, "Oh, Pokemon Go." But you can't deny the success of Pokemon Go and that how more people play Pokemon Go than they did Sun and Moon. I mean, the the numbers don't lie in that aspect. And I'm sure Pokemon Go like just look at their sales numbers last year. I think it was they made over like a hundred million dollars, and the year before that they made like thirty million dollars. So if you put two and two together, Pokemon Go made made them seventy million dollars. If anything, I mean those aren't exact numbers, and I I could be slightly off. I don't have the data in front of me, but there's nothing like I, this is such a a whole nother conversation where like pokemon may need to go the final fantasy route and and change like final fantasy 11 was so different than the first 10 final fantasies final fantasy 14 was pretty similar to 11 but still very different than the other 12 final fantasies and then final fantasy 15 really different than the first 14 final fantasies and they need to get away to bring more people into the game. And I don't think that as as good as Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are looking, I don't think Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are going to bring new people into the Pokemon universe. And there might be 
like five or six year olds where Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are their first Pokemon games. But I don't like I don't know how to sell. I don't know how to convince somebody to get Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon who may not be a Pokemon player. It's such a like a weird thing. And and Al is right. They tried doing a new story in, in black and white and black and white two and that didn't work. And they tried doing just Megas in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, and that kind of worked. I mean, it shut up Gen 3 lovers. Like, they were satisfied, finally, after no, so many years. They're still not satisfied. They're never satisfied. <laughs> like, I think Sun and Moon did bring in new players, no doubt. I think Black and White brought in new players. I think X and Y brought in new players, but not. I don't think not enough. So I don't know what they do. I don't think putting all the regions in one Pokemon game, I don't think that's, I don't think that sells anyone on Pokemon games. Honestly, I think remaking Red and Blue brings in new Pokemon players. I think that actually would bring in all those Pokemon Go players that might have been on the fence prior to that. But I also don't think, like, and not that it's a conversation anymore, like, no one's buying a 3DS anymore. Like, those Pokemon Go players definitely did buy 3DSs for, I don't know, what was it, what was that at the time? Sun and Moon? Yeah, Sun and Moon. I don't think two Nintendo consoles is good. I think that people want, casual people want one Nintendo console and they want all the games to come to that. Like if I only have a DS, oh, I can't play Breath of the Wild. If I only have a Wii U, oh, I can't play Pokemon. Where now I have one console and I can play everything, whether that's Animal Crossing or Metroid or Zelda or Mario Odyssey or stuff like that. Uh, I think that's important, too, and I think that plays into the factor. I know plenty of people that had a Wii or a Wii U under their TV and didn't have a DS. So to buy a console only for Pokemon was kind of outside the realm, whereas if they had a Wii or a Wii U under their TV and a Pokemon game came out, oh, hey, I've heard, I've always, I haven't played Pokemon since, you know, middle school. Maybe I'll get this one. And again, that just goes back to Pokemon Go. The reason Pokemon Go did so well is because everyone has a phone in their pocket. And so it was very easy for them just to download the game and play it. If everyone now has a Switch, it's very easy for them to be like, oh, there's a new Pokemon game? Well, I need something to play. Here we go. Yeah, especially with the lineup for the Switch as it has been going. (laughs) Well, I mean, the Switch has like two Game of the Year contenders right now. It has... Congrats. I don't want to play either one of them. Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, which are easily the most well-received games of the year. I I just cannot see them putting out another console... We know Pokemon's coming to Switch. Don't put out anything else. Just keep the the good Switch games coming. I guess Splatoon 2 is pretty good, too. Oh, I, no, I completely agree. And I think if they can nail down this whole concept of portable and, uh, what do you want to call it, fixed? Portable and TV-based console, that that they've got it. That That is the key because, you know... Definitely Microsoft obviously has no answer for this because their concept of portable is sad and and no bueno sony has never been able to get the vita to live in the states and that was their answer to you know portable and fixed but nintendo's the only one who's like no really it's just one console and you either take it with you or you plop it into the the dock and play it on your tv but you know we're happy either way i have a lot of hopes for that so do you want the uh the sales numbers Yes, I would love the sales numbers. All right, so uh, let's go for profit for the Pokemon company in 2013 to 2014. So this was the year that X and Y came out. They made $18.4 million. 
18, right? Yep. Last financial year, that's 2016, 2017, they made, and this is profit, $143 million. So that's 25 times the year before. That's that's quite a lot. And so you could argue, oh, well, you know, maybe that's something to do with Sun and Moon. But also interesting to note is their revenue, not this isn't the Pokemon company's revenue. This is the revenue to Niantic, which will be some of it will go back to the Pokemon company in uh, license fees was just for 2016. So that would be from what was it, June that it came out till the end of the year uh, was almost a billion dollars. Jeez. So yeah, it's making way more money. I'm okay with seeing something new. And I I hope other Pokemon players have that same mindset, but I just know they don't. They're okay with the formula that existed. And I was hoping that Trials in Sun and Moon would be something new, but not they're, but they're not. I think people see things like go as a threat to the original games and that oh if this becomes too good and too popular my main series games will go away which i think would be silly for them to do because as long as they're not losing money on it yeah yeah it's no, keeping I mean, their core fans happy i don't even even with one of their worst selling games which i don't know what it what it is right now i don't think it's platinum uh, let's just say Black and White 2, because I don't like that game. But let's just say Black and White oh, 2 was horrible. was their least selling game. It still made them money. It still made them profit. But there, there's also like, okay, there's also the other end of the conversation where Pokemon Go players are like, the, battles, the battle system in Pokemon Go is not good. And I agree. The battle system in Pokemon Go is not good. Uh, and their solution is, there should be four moves like in, in the main series Pokemon games, which I disagree with. I don't think they need to be the same. Just because... The four moves in the main series game is what people think is good. Doesn't mean you need to bring that to a game where you're tapping. I don't think that would make the battle system better either. Also, just because that has worked in the main series game for the past 20 years doesn't mean that it's good. And going back to Final Fantasy, that's a great example. Like the turn-based battle system worked for, you know, the first... 10 Final Fantasies. It was all turn-based. Uh, I, I don't think it was 12 until they they changed it. And turn-based battle systems just aren't as popular as they used to be. There's exceptions to that, like Persona 5, which is really great. And, and I enjoyed Persona 5, don't get me wrong. But I can't imagine playing multiple turn-based battle systems in multiple games. And that may be somebody's cup of tea. They might just eat up every single turn-based battle system game. But, like, Pokemon is the one exception to that that I will play. Uh, and Persona 5 was a really good break from Pokemon. It was really nice to sit down with a turn-based battle system. But even after, like, 30 hours of Persona 5, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I, 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 I didn't beat the game, but I feel extremely satisfied with it. I feel extremely happy. I feel like I got my money's worth. But this is not... I don't want to keep doing turn-based battle systems. Um, so please do not bring that to Pokemon Go. I don't think that will make Pokemon Go better. Uh, I think that Niantic is in a really good position to make their game different and interesting. And I don't think copying the main series Pokemon game is the right avenue to go. If it was, then why isn't why isn't Sun and Moon doing as well as Pokemon Go? Like, it's because of how unique Pokemon Go is, is what's selling it. So don't copy the main series game. Do something different. 
I think it's also that one costs, you know, 40 quid up front and <laughs> one costs nothing up front. Look, I don't know how many that squids certainly does help. I don't know how many squids you're 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 fishing for, Al, but it also does bring up the question of how do you pay with squids when it's a mobile transaction? <laughs> They're all but virtual anyways. squids nowadays. Like we don't actually have real squids anymore. Squid clicker. You just keep clicking the, the money the oh, dear. money goes up. Uh, we never actually answered Nick's question, which was, what are your thoughts on artificially created non-organic Pokemon? Uh-huh. Kind of a weird aspect of Pokemon. Is he referring to, like, Genesect? Is is that? Uh, well, I think YouTube? maybe more like Sil Valley. Yeah, Genesect isn't, is not is artificially changed. It's not artificially created, I guess. Yeah, there's Sil Valley. There's Mewtwo. Polygon, Mewtwo. Well, Mewtwo's organic. No, Mewtwo was uh, made yeah, in a lab. Oh, non-organic part. That's that would just be Porygon the light lane, then, wouldn't it? Porygon was created, yeah. yeah. Well, Silvalli was completely created too, but also organic. Yeah, but Silvalli's organic. Oh yeah. So what was the what was the term that he used? Non-organic, artificially. Uh, what are your thoughts on artificially created non-organic Pokemon? I I think Magirna might be one, right? Was Magirna created? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, Pokemon come from all different areas. That's there's some are natural, some are man-made. It's not, yeah. Mm, I'm, that's cool. I have uh, this stuff. Poke, PokemonDB.net, Pokemon database. Question is, what are all the man-made Pokemon? And the answer, I don't know. They have a source here, so the source is Bulbapedia. Okay, great. Uh, so they said artificial Pokemon: Grimer, Muck, Voltorb, Electrode, Mewtwo, Castform, Bonnet. Baltoy, Claydol, Trubbish, Garboder, Gallet, Golurk, Porygon, Porygon 2, Porygon Z. A Pokemon influenced by humans, Deoxys, Burmy, Wormadam, Spirit Tomb, Rotom, Genesect. As of Sun and Moon, Megirna, Type Null, Savali. Now this list is incorrect, right? Because <laughs> the I, I know for a fact that Garboder... I think the Pokedex says that it was a pile of trash that had rays from the moon turn it into a Pokemon. So I don't see how that's man-made. Uh, okay, so according to Bulbapedia, it says, Trubbish and Garboder, the Pokedex entry says, it was created by garbage and industrial waste mixed, causing a reaction that generated Trubbish. Garboder, as its evolution, springs from the same source. So it's not really that clear. I guess, I guess the, the thought process is, we made the garbage, and then the garbage uh, turned into trubbish. I, I guess. guess so. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, it's um, it's it's uh, sorry, it's Grimer and Muck that are X-rays from the moon. Grimer and Muck. It says according to the Pokedex entry, Grimer, 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 <laughs> and Muck were created from human pollution in a stream exposed to X-rays from the moon, as they were created from generic waste. Grimer and Muck are poison-type Pokemon. Yeah, so you were right about the x-rays. X-rays from the moon. What? All right, we all know that the moon does not emit x-rays, correct? <laughs> correct. Not Just with that attitude. Just for terms of science. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I it didn't know re- this. It might reflect some from the sun. I don't know whether the sun actually outputs x-rays, though. I, d- I didn't know this. Bonnet was a plush doll that was thrown away. It oh, seeks yeah, the child who abandoned it. Abandoned it. Uh, cast form was created by scientists at the Weather Institute in Hoenn to help predict the weather. Is this true, Will? This is true. 
because of Those this mad scientists of the Weather Institute. The Altoy and Cladle Pokedex entries state that the that they were originally clay figures created by ancient people. The figures came to life after being exposed to mystical rays. I don't know what that means. Well, it's it's better than X-rays from the moon anyway. X-rays from the moons. Uh, Gollet and Golurk were apparently created by an ancient civilization to protect people and Pokemon alike. Burmy and Wormadad created outer cloaks out of their habitat. They were composed of natural materials as seen as in plant cloak or sandy cloak or artificial insulation seen as trash cloak. Burmy's cloak will change depending on the location it last battled. A female Burmy with trash cloak will evolve into trash Wormadam uh, with the same artificial... I don't understand this Pokemon line at all. What are they? The Wormadam Wormadams yeah, and Burmy? Yeah, they're so weird. They're like these little worms that like will gather the whatever's in their surroundings to make their cocoon and everything. That's all it is. I didn't oh, know so one was a... Tra- the pink one is trash. Well, it's because the trash, they pick up the trash. Sure, but it already exists, using. though. That would be I, I know. I th- they're using a very but... broad definition. <laughs> anyway, I think we're all saying that we're in, in favor of this because it's a, a natural kind of evolution of humans creating things that we see around us. And so I think we'd expect humans to create Pokemon if that was real. It just uh, we'll we'll end here with Type Null and Soul Valley. Type Null was created by the Ether Foundation as part of the Beast Killer Project, an initiative to create Pokemon optimized for battling Ultra Beasts by using cell cultures from all known Pokemon and combining their greatest strengths. Originally known as Type Full, the RKS system, it was originally built with the intended. It was really originally built with was intended to allow it to change types in order to adapt to the situation. When three known models all rejected the RKS system, it went berserk, and this project was deemed as a failure, and they were all placed in cryogenic stasis. The helmet type null wears was made to stabilize the side effects of the RKS system rejection at the expense of suppressing full power. When it evolves into Savali, it deliberately destroys the helmet and becomes able to use the RKS system without losing control of itself. Savali was named by Gladion, according to the Pokedex. Interesting, one guy named an entire species of Pokemon. Well, because they were built in a lab, and he happened to be hanging out at that lab. <laughs> I mean, generally, things are named by one person. That's true. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong, Al. Your parents named you. Well, yeah, but that's two people. That's a bad example. Okay. <laughs> and then you named your sub son and dubbed him Never to Trick or Treat. <laughs> You're a very mean person. <laughs> it all comes yeah. full circle. Uh, speaking of full circle, Will, give us our Pokemon of the week. All right, so our Pokemon of the week this week is Gorgeist. I will start with the biology. Gorgeist is a bipedal pumpkin Pokemon. Its body is a black pumpkin with two short stubby feet. There is a face carved into this po- pumpkin having triangular eyes and a half-circle mouth, completed with a spike protruding from the top of the mouth. Above this pumpkin is the head, which is tall, slender, and orange in color. At the top of the head is the face, which has yellow eyes and a small mouth with no nose present. The mouth has two sharp fangs with an absence of other visible teeth. It is completed with its peach-colored hair, which down the sides 
develops limbs. The hair contains bangs, which usually cover one eye. The top of its hair contains a crescent shape, which is peach-colored on the outside and black on the inside. They come in many sizes, the smallest being no more than 2 feet 4 inches or 0.7 meters, while the largest are 5 feet 7 inches or 1.7 meters. Its colors have switched from when it was a pump kaboo, with its lower body being black and its top being pink. Gorgeists are malevolent Pokemon that catch their prey in their hair-like arms and take delight in their victims' suffering. On moonless nights, they are known to wander through town streets, singing an eerie song that curses its unfortunate listeners. It and its pre-evolution, Pumpkaboo, are the only known Pokemon that can learn trick or treat. Spooky! Spooky, yes. Origin. Gorgeist appears to be based on both gourd and modern pumpkin jack-o'-lanterns. Its multiple sizes may be a reference to the tradition of trying to grow the largest pumpkin for Halloween. Its upper body may also be based on the candles within jack-o'-lanterns themselves, with the curl being its wick and its hair-like extensions its dripping wax. It could also be viewed as a mere extension of the shape and the curl on top being its stem. The lower body's different color might also reference the tradition of decorating gourds with paint. Uh, some trivia for Gorgeist. Uh, a supersized Gorgeist has a different cry than the other three forms, pitched lower than the cry shared by the other forms. Only average-sized and super-sized Gorgas have the ability of insomnia. Average-sized can be obtained by a pumpkin boo with the hidden ability from the friend safari. Super-sized can be obtained from McDonald's. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Super-sized can be oh. obtained from a pumpkin boo from event distributions. Uh, and a shiny Gorgas is purple and like a glowing green instead of the pink and glowing orange. It's a good shiny. As voted by It's Super Effective. Your pumpkin Pokemon. I think that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, some house cleaning. Next week will be a special episode of It's Super Effective as we will be talking about Pokemon the movie I Choose You. Uh, and if there's any news, of course, we'll we'll mention it. But um, I, I don't have high hopes for this November 2nd announcement. I bet it's going to be pretty low-key, as Al suggested. But we'll talk about it if it if it occurs. But we, I'm very excited to see the movie. Will you got your tickets right? Yes, I do have my tickets. I will be seeing at Dole Cannery in Hawaii next week Sunday. Nice. Well, safe travels to Hawaii. Well, when are you leaving? Uh, Thursday. And when are you coming back? Mm, the following week, Wednesday. Oh, so you're there for some time? Well, just for a week. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm pretty sure Hawaii is not a cheap flight. I wouldn't know. I didn't have to pay for the tickets. <laughs> what? My mom bought the tickets. Oh, my all mom's right. taking me. Oh, I see. Okay. I wish my mom had money. Well, well you can't go back in time and change that. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, Al, your Twitter handle? That's uh, Yamanic Kill. Y-A-M-A-N-I-C-K-I-L-L. Awesome. And Will is at Wash in the Sink. I am at Dragging a Lake, and if you want to follow the podcast and stay up to date, at Pokemon Podcast on Twitter. And again, uh, like I said, I've been streaming pretty much every single night on Twitch, twitch.tv slash PKMNCast. Currently, uh, Monday nights are Pokemon TCG, 
Thursday nights are Monster Hunter Double Cross. If you're interested in Monster Hunter, I also do a Monster Hunter podcast called The Carve with C-Team Pokemon podcast host, Micah the Brave. And uh, most other nights are something Pokemon related. Uh, we did a little bit of Pokemon Snap last week. We did some Pokemon Coliseum last week. And right now we are working our ways through Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. And oh boy, that's a game. I'm having a pretty, pretty okay time with it, though. Caught a lot of Pokemon. Uh, didn't catch Entei, though, did you? Did not catch Entei uh, in Coliseum, no. There's a, there's a clip that you can see of my pretty much thoughts on Coliseum and how I felt about it. There's no Entei in Gale of Darkness. Uh, I'm oh, okay. trying to catch all the Pokemon I encounter in, in Premier Balls, and that's been going pretty well. I think we've... I think there's only, like... I think there was like a Zubat and a Sandshrew where I was like, I'm just going to catch in a Pokeball because I don't want to waste my Premier Balls for these. Uh, but I will say, the great thing about both Coliseum and Gale of Darkness, more so Gale of Darkness because I, I plan on never going back to Coliseum, is that once you beat the game, you can transfer those Pokemon to, I think, Emerald? And then once you transfer them to Emerald, you can transfer them up to Sun and Moon. That's pretty cool. Uh, I think. I don't know. I think uh, I like I like games where I can put all my Pokemon in the same place. I like them all to be together in Pokemon Bank for four ninety nine a year, and live happily ever after, until their servers crash, and people lose all their Pokemon. That will never happen. Stop with that. That's true. I'm sure they have redundant backups for that. One would hope. Well, I think that will wrap up our episode. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are Super, Super Halloween Boots. say effective effective oh i just did <laughs> i thought we were both meant to be clever with things uh, no, was, no 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 sorry. no only i'm the clever one okay I'll, oh. I'll stop trying to be clever well sorry i'll just do what i'm told it's super effective is hosted and produced by me steve black jr logo and artwork for isc was also created by me Theme music was by Nicholas Burgess. If you enjoy ISE, consider leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or tell a fellow trainer about us. If you'd like to support ISE, you can do so over at Patreon, patreon.com slash it's super effective. One of my goals in life is to make podcasting my full-time job, and if just half the listeners of ISE donated $1 a month, I could easily make that a reality. For as little as $1 a month, you'll gain access to our Slack community to chat with other listeners of ISC. And for $4 a month, you'll gain access to our bonus anime podcast. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next week.